you are about to meet a lifelong nurse on a mission to educate young children about differences. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. Her nonprofit is called Ella's Way. It's a collection of children's book authors from around the world, and the mission is to help children learn respect, empathy, and kindness early in their lives so that they are more tolerant of differences as they grow older. Sounds like a pretty good idea. Her name is Sherry Serino, and this is her story. Sherry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Candy. Thanks for having me today. Ella's Way stands for Early Learning Leads to Acceptance. Take us back to the creation of this nonprofit. What inspired you to do this? I've always wanted to write a children's book. It was one of those items on my bucket list for many, many years. And about 10 years ago, my sister and I got together and we decided to write a children's book together as she was a teacher and I was a nurse. And we wanted it to have a special meaning. So we developed a story called Ella and the All-Stars. It's really an early introduction to differences for a child about the age of seven and under. And that really inspired us to keep going and eventually develop a nonprofit organization. You know, my daughter and I wrote a children's book called Nelson's Garden, Mm -hmm. and we've got four more manuscripts and we've got a publication deal. And oh, my goodness. So my question for you is, how did it feel to hold your book in your hand? Oh, my goodness. (laughs) When that published book first arrived at my house and I held it in my hand. You almost get tears in your eyes because you know that you finally can check one item off that list of things that you always wanted to do. So it was a wonderful feeling. Tell us about Ella's Way. How does it work? Each one of the independent authors that are within our collaboration, and right now in the nonprofit, we have 35 authors from around the world. Each one of us provides our own children's books, and we read at schools and libraries and special events. And all of the books have similar mission of kindness, acceptance, and inclusion. And then through grants and donations and just the kindness of others, we're able to buy books from the independent authors. And then we pay it forward by sending those books to areas of need around the country. So it might be a children's clinic. It might be a children's hospital. It might be a shelter somewhere other organizations in need that are giving back to the community. So we're able to donate those books through those donations and grants. Tell us about some of the books that are part of your collaboration. I know one of them is King's Day Out. King's Day Out. So Maggie Van Gallen joined us last year sometime, and she has wonderful stories as well as several of our other authors. Each one of the stories have something to do with either social-emotional learning neurodiversity, equity and inclusion. We have a book about a child with Down syndrome. We have books on autism. Any child that feels different in any way can find a book that helps to represent their true life. Building empathy and kindness. If we do it early, it seems to work later in life. So, of course, when we started Ella's Way, there's a lot of research then involved trying to say, are we really kind of on the right track of doing something? And we learned that children around the age of four, are beginning to form their first friendships. And if kind of left to their own devices, they'll make friends with someone who looks exactly like them. That's just the way that it goes. But if they're exposed to all other kinds of childhood differences, then they might make friends with someone who is in a wheelchair, a child with Downs, a child with autism, a child of another ethnic background, 
So that's why we try to focus at children that are really ages around the ages of four to five years old. You are a lifelong nurse, and much of your experience is at a place called Spalding Rehabilitation Network, where you oversaw complex medical and rehabilitation for people with traumatic brain injury, neurological issues. So, Sherry, I am guessing that you have seen firsthand that empathy and acceptance for these patients was also a part of their own healing. Am I right? Absolutely. I can definitely say that you have to have a lot of patience and a lot of kindness and acceptance, especially when you're dealing with patients with brain injury and stroke. And it takes a lot of repetition and just digging deep and working with some of those patients. But I can also say that I've worked with, in a pediatric population, with children with complex medical needs. And I've found that in talking with a lot of families, that many of those children don't have friends or they can't really say that they have one close friend. So taking my nursing background as well as working with younger children with special needs, it really told me that I wanted to try to make a difference out there. Every child deserves to have a friend. And if we could make a difference with just reading a story in a school somewhere, that was my mission. That's what I wanted to do. When you do go into schools and you do these readings and you talk to the children, How do they react to some of the sensitive messages in these books? It always happens that a child will come up after the reading and give me a hug because they just felt that it was an approachable time for them, that they felt very comforted. But many of them will also tell me stories, something that I didn't expect to hear. I had a child come up and talk to me about a problem that they were having at home. So I was able to relate that to the teacher. Another child told me about someone being cruel to them on the playground so that I could talk to them about them and maybe give them a little bit of a strategy how to handle that in the future. But I also had a child come up to me after reading my first book, Ella and the All-Stars, where it shows that the little starfishes in this book has parents that are of different colors. Ella is a purple starfish and her father is blue and her mother is a red starfish. So red and blue make purple. And a little boy spoke right up and said, that's just like my family. My father is dark and my mother is light. So it was really nice to see that they got that message right away. It also sounds to me as if when these children read these books, they can often feel understood. Absolutely. They can either see themselves in a character that's in the book Or they just feel comforted to know that they might be a little bit different, but someone is talking to them that they can still have a friend. And then for children that have a lot of friends, it also makes them kind of open up their friendship circle and invite other children into it. How can a parent who is listening to our program today talk through some of these sensitive topics with their own child? Children's books are a perfect way to do that. But you can just sit with a child, maybe in the evening, at nap time, or maybe morning time, just in whatever kind of a comforting time that you can sit and read with them and find a story that has some type of social-emotional learning in it. Obviously, we have a lot of books on our side, but there's tons of books out there in the library to pick up and actually just read it to a child. And when their interest is peaked, just take it one next step and talk with them what's different about this character or what's different about this character? If someone wears glasses, could they still be your friend? And it might be an elephant in the story that's wearing glasses or in my story, it is an elderly pelican. And you can talk with them about what looks different about that pelican 
And then it just opens up for some great conversations. And that's what I like to say about our books, that they actually create conversations and kindness. Your theory is that when we teach them young, our children will be more tolerant as adults. Ella's way is now 10 years old. So I'm thinking that maybe those little kindergartners that you read to 10 years ago are now sophomores in high school. Do you ever hear from any of these kids and understand that they were changed? I do. And it's really funny that I have done a lot of holiday fairs where I do book signings. And a child that came to me at the age of four with their parent and picked up a book, I might see three or four years later come back to the same craft fair. And it was at one craft holiday fair that a parent came up to me with a child who was about three years older. And she was still wearing a little purple bracelet that I gave to her three years before that at the same event. And her mother told me that when I gave her that purple bracelet, it meant that she was making a promise to always be kind, just like the Alice story that she had purchased. And her mother said that since that day, she had never taken off that bracelet. That felt very good. Sherry, I was just about to say, how does it feel to know that you're making these kinds of cosmic shifts for a child? I wish I could go into the homes of all the children that have picked up one of my stories and actually just talk with them even more. But, you know, they buy the story and they go on their way. But I've been able to go back and visit schools. The same school will invite me back year after year to read to the kindergarten classrooms. And the teachers will say, We're using your book in our classroom to talk about kindness and being kind to others that might be different in some way. Well, speaking of making a difference, talk to us about your kindness corners in libraries. There is a young gentleman that inspired the kindness corners. It was a young gentleman that he was approximately eight or nine years old, and he had gone into his library and he was unable to find a book that represented his true self because he was a child that was in a wheelchair. And he wasn't able to find that in his library. So I talked with all of our authors and said, we need to celebrate these books. Children need to be able to go into a library and find a book that's about them. Or a teacher should be able to go in a library and pick up a book about differences or kindness and have it be celebrated and right up front. So we came up with a Kindness Corner starter kit that any school or library can use. It's a designated space where books can be put into that area, and it has a kindness banner associated with it and some activities that children can do to talk about kindness and have interactive readings. We started using grants and donations to send these kindness corners to libraries and schools around the country as well, and they've been really well received. It's one thing to have an idea like this, and it's another to make it happen. Were there times early on in the creation of Ella's Way where you just said, oh, I can't do this, or you thought you might want to throw in the towel? All along the way, I kept saying to myself, how do I do this and how do I do that? And it became overwhelming. And writing to different publishing companies and trying to get published and Get denial after denial, but know that you had a mission that you really wanted to fulfill. So I just took it on as a challenge and said, I'm going to make this happen no matter what. And YouTube becomes your friend. You do a lot of YouTubing and a lot of resourcing everywhere that you can find to try to put the pieces of getting published into place just to make it happen. And I just kept going. I'm a puzzle-solving person by nature anyway. 
So I'm a dog with a bone. If I have an idea and I want to make it happen, I just do whatever I need to do to get it done. Well, including going back to school and getting certified in the management of a nonprofit organization. So smart. How did that help you along the way? So I finally decided if I'm going to make this into a nonprofit, I needed to have the skill set to be able to do that. So I decided to enroll in the community college, which offered a nonprofit certification. And they take you through the various steps of not only creating it, but how to fundraise, how to develop a board of directors, how to get donors and involvement and things like that. Those were really key critical steps for me, and I still use those tips and tricks along the way. Well, at your core, you are a nurse. You are a caregiver. What, in your opinion, are the most important attributes of a great nurse? Compassion is obviously number one. Patience with an E-N-C-E as well as an (laughs) T-S at the end. So patience and being an incredible multitasker. Your resume is all about leadership. You were always a manager, a director, from what I saw on your resume, wherever you worked. How do you lead, and what is your philosophy around that? Oh, I've always been lucky to be able to develop a really good team around me. As a leader, there were skills that I obviously had, as like multitasking and being able to problem solve. But I needed some key people in my corner to be able to help me with other strategies. Nurses that had a really strong medical background, nurses that really had leadership skills among themselves. And so as long as I had a really solid team working with me, and I have been so lucky in 45 years of nursing to have some really strong, loyal teams working with me, then that's helped me to be successful in what I've done. Did you always want to be a nurse? No. As a matter of fact, growing up, I wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> and how did, you, how did the nursing piece come in for you? Well, I also wanted to travel. So I had my sights set on being a Navy nurse at the very beginning, thinking about doing that. My family are all in giving back services of some kind. I have a brother and a sister that are teachers and a sister that was a police officer. So we've always been community focused. But then I decided I get seasick a lot, and I also didn't know if I wanted to go to boot camp. So I decided to go to nursing school more locally instead. Let's go back to your childhood. You've talked about your family just a little bit. I believe our childhood is kind of like a launching pad into our lives. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. I grew up in snowy, cold Watertown, New York, which has a ton of snow even right now as we speak. Summers spent on Lake Ontario. It was really wonderful. What values did your parents instill in you and your brothers and sisters? Work ethic, for sure. We did not grow up with a big allowance like a lot of other children did. We had to work and do everything that we possibly could. A lot of it was for the family. We learned how to mow the lawn and start the fire in the fireplace. And I had to learn how to swim across the lake before I could use the boat and, you know, the little rowboat. And I had to learn how to change the propeller on the powerboat before my parents would ever let me take out the little motorboat. And we had to learn all of those life skills and do all the chores around the house growing up. And there was no payment for any of that. That was expected. You were part of a family and you had to give back to your family. Who was your role model when you were growing up? Definitely my father and also the one that I fought with the most. (laughs) He had a very strong work ethic and he gave back to his community. He was an Eagle Scout leader. He taught swimming. 
He helped being on the school board. Anything he could do to give back to his community, he did. So he was probably my strongest role model growing up. We all need somebody, Sherry, who believes in us, especially early on as a child, and we're trying to make our way through the world. Who was that person for you? Well, other than my father, I could say that when I first started my nursing career, my very first nurse manager was a true champion of my career. And looking back on that, I would not have been in all of the nursing leadership skills without having her in my corner. Her name was Dottie, and she was the best nurse that I had ever met. She was such a strong leader, but she was compassionate and caring, and she believed in me. And she is now, 45 years later, still telling me how much that relationship actually meant. And she will always be my greatest champion, my biggest mentor along the years. Are you a mentor now to other nurses? And also, are you a mentor to the people who write books who are part of your collaboration? I can honestly say that after 45 years of nursing, I retired this past February. I used to call myself a nurse by day and author by night, but now I consider myself an author by day and a nonprofit manager, and I love working and mentoring new authors that are coming up. I've met so many people over the years, wherever I go, that have a story that they want to tell, and they really just have no idea what the steps are in creating a children's book. So I've worked with several authors and published five of them now over the last few years. And I love being a mentor to getting their book that's always been in their heart finally into print and into their hands that they can share. Can we talk a little bit about your children? How did things change when you became a mom? Oh, wow. (laughs) Things really changed. I have two children that are about six years apart, both adults now. Very different. My daughter was very shy. Then I had a son who was very impulsive. So Andrea and Daniel, if you're out there, they were joys growing up, challenges in their own way and very different and still just wonderful, wonderful people. What did you learn about yourself when you became a mom? Becoming a mom was really different from me in that I was a full-time working mother at the same time. I went back to work when my children were about six weeks old, and I had the challenge of having to drop them off into daycare every morning and how to manage when they were sick. And we didn't have remote nursing, obviously, back in the day. So I wasn't able to do that. So I had to learn a lot about balancing work and life as a mother and trying to figure out how to get things done for them, even though I was working full time and still celebrate when they had their successes at school and they had school events going on and leaving work early to try to get there. So work-life balance was tough, but I definitely learned as a mother and the ability to multitask really helped as well. What do you say to a woman who has a yearning, who has a dream that's not yet fulfilled? I have a motto in life that I learned from a gentleman that I met right after Ella's and the All-Stars, my first children's book, was written. His name was Jonathan Gale. He was blind, and he was on the Council for Disability Advocacy in Boston, and he gave me the best advice to this day, be fearless. Absolutely be fearless. Don't let anything hold you back. You might have challenges along the way and need to pull in some resources how to get it done, but just believe in yourself and be fearless, and you can finally bring that passion to fruition. Just keep working at it. 
next three questions, we ask everyone who sits where you are, and I have a feeling I know what this next answer is going to be. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? I've been doing puzzles since I was a very little girl, and I love to put puzzles together. So if there's an obstacle in my way, I look and see if there's a little small part of the puzzle that I can do first. But I'm also a dog with a bone. I will try to stick with it until I can finally get it done. But sometimes I have to step back and get a clear head, think outside the box a little bit. Or if all else fails, I'll call a friend that maybe is going through the same thing. Or YouTube is my friend, as I mentioned before. I've solved a lot of problems just by looking at some different resources. What is the best piece of advice, Sherry, that you've ever received? And can you pass that along to our listeners today? Well, I already mentioned that I learned the best piece of advice for me was to be fearless. I'd like to also share that my father, who I've already said was a role model at the age of 80, decided to conquer something on his bucket list and went parasailing. I don't think I'll ever be that fearless in my life. He set the bar pretty high, but if he could do it, I think any and go parasailing at the age of 80, I think anybody could be fearless and, and tackle your problems. I believe that we live our lives in chapters. And right now, in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you? I think success for me right now is a feeling that I get when I help an author create their book and they get that book in their hands for the first time. It's the feeling that I get when a child tells me that Ella and the All-Stars is their favorite book. The feeling that I get when a teacher tells me that they use one of my books in their school as part of the curriculum to talk about kindness. I'm the lucky person that goes to bed at night knowing that I get to do what I love during the day. So that's success for me. And I get up the next day and get to do it all over again. Sherry Serino, I want to say thank you so much for being our guest on the story behind her success. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Sherry Serino. She's a nurse and she's also the founder of Ella's Way. Find out more about this nonprofit devoted to publishing children's picture books with powerful and lasting messages about acceptance, inclusion, and kindness. Ellasway.com. And thank you for listening. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know? Just reach out and nominate her today. Go to candyoterry.com. That's candy with a Y. O-T-E-R-R-Y dot com. And I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. And remember, when we lift each other up, we all rise. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.